This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh. Hey there, everybody. How you doing? Happy September. We're glad you're here hanging out with us once again. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hope the gym's working out. I hope your boss isn't over your shoulder looking at you. If you're doing this at your desk, we appreciate you. I got a good group of folks here joining us today. I'm excited about this one. This is a really interesting conversation that I've been looking forward to to having uh, what these folks are doing in the Southeast. And no, we're not going to talk about SEC football because I just can't do it. I won't do it. We're not going to go there today. We might, but it's only going to be negative for me just so you guys know. I think this is going to be an exciting conversation about what's going on. This, this is going to be new to a lot of people. People haven't heard of this yet. I think it's going to be exciting that you have. So please welcome from Cold Hardy Citrus Associates, Sweet Valley Citrus, the whole nine yards, the Southeast, the SEC, whatever you all want to talk about. Please Matt, welcome Matt Cruz and Kylie Lamar. Welcome to the show, folks. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, John. Thanks so much, Todd. We're excited to be here. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that now and hopefully I'll say it at the end. That's really what the key is. It's really about what you say at the end, not at the beginning. I found that out in this broadcast world. I think that what you guys have going on is super, super cool, and I'm excited to get into it. But before we do that, if you wouldn't mind, and, and I'm going to let you guys just uh, you know arm wrestle, fist fight, whatever you want to do, who goes first, who goes second with some of these questions. But just if you wouldn't mind, just briefly introduce who you are and kind of tell your journey in bio and, and how I roped you into hanging out with me bright and early on a Monday morning. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. And first of sure. all, I will. I want to say go dogs. Um, oh God, here it comes. I yeah. knew it was coming. Uh, I'm Kylie. I have a little bit of a non-linear career journey to, to citrus and agriculture. I grew up on a, a, a family farm, um, but had an entire previous career um, in education and nonprofit leadership. Most recently was managing director of operations for Teach for America. Um, but in 2008, uh, I moved back to Georgia and uh, my dad had started a citrus tree nursery. Citrus trees uh, was becoming really big in, in Georgia and North Florida. And so now I have the opportunity to, to manage the family farm and uh, family business with both my dad and my two younger brothers. Um, we have a citrus tree nursery and grove development and management company, uh, One Dog Ventures, which is in Sale City, Georgia. And um, this year we're actually opening up uh, a second nursery, Florida Line Nursery uh, in uh, Monticello, Florida. Um, and have had the opportunity over the past year uh, through the Cold Hardy uh, Citrus Association as a board member um, to develop and launch uh, Sweet Valley Citrus. Nice. Okay, wait a minute. One dog. I got to ask. Really? One dog? Seriously? You going bulldogs with that? Is that really it? Don't lie. It, it actually stands. My dad is dyslexic and it actually stands for God first backwards. So it doesn't okay, have, that's cool. All right. All right. That's yeah. all right. I'm digging that. I'm digging that. I love that. To, to do with the Georgia Bulldogs, but we're still dog fans. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, you threw the dog thing out there in the beginning. I had to come back around and ask. I mean, you know, but I love what, I love what it actually means. That's really cool. That's really cool. Matt, how about you? Um, my name's Matt Cruz. Like you said, um, I graduated from college in 2010 from the University of Florida. Um, oh, good God. I'm surrounded by you people. Yeah. So then after, after the day after I graduated, I came back and went to work in the family timber and logging business. And uh, that was in 2010. Um, since that time, I've gotten married. I now have three kids. Um, Congratulations. Started, started a citrus grove that we now have 85 acres and about eight or nine different varieties. 
and we're building a packing house and um, seems like a journey that we're on. So after, so, so you, so you have three kids and go, I'm going to get something a little bit more creative. Let's go get into farming. Yeah, well, kids didn't teach you to keep you out of farming. Yeah. Whenever we busy enough? thought that the farming was going to be one or two days a week. And we were, we were very wrong about that. It's turned into um, a full-time job. Yeah, well, you are 100% wrong about that, brother. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. I love it. So I want to get into this because, you know, what you guys are doing is is not necessarily new, but it is new in a lot of ways. And it is really pretty cool with what you all have going on. And I want to get into this about this whole citrus thing that you guys are doing in uh, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. So before we get rolling, and again, you guys pick who wants to go first. Tell me a little bit, what is the Cold Hardy Citrus Association? Yeah, so um, people started planting uh, cold hardy citrus, uh, as we call it, uh, a few a few years ago. And in uh, 2017, formed a nonprofit association. I was founded by growers for growers, um, specifically aimed at providing a unified voice um, for folks who are getting into this new industry in this area um, and providing education on uh, different growing practices. But I think the biggest thing that uh, the association has done, um, we now have about 150 members um, and we are launching a Sweet Valley Citrus brand um, as a regional brand specifically for all of our Cold Hardy Association members. I love it. It's super cool. So Cold hardy, so satsumas, lemons, I mean, I mean, I assume it's, it's the whole variety, right? Yeah, we have a lot of satsumas. Um, at first, it was almost exclusively satsumas that were planted. Uh, it's really begun to diversify, though. Um, a lot of other different mandarins, tangos, uh, shiranui, seedless kishu, um, even some navels, red navels, cool. uh, lemons, all different kinds. I love it. So... This I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Sweet Valley Citrus reason that, that that has developed itself right over time, and it's and it's progressing into as into really a standalone industry now, for I guess lack of a better word. But it's almost like a wine appellation in some ways. I mean, you think about Napa, or you think about Tuscany, the Rhone Valley, some of these places, you know, that have these these little microcosms of amazingness that can grow just you know. Really, really cool stuff because of the zip codes that they're in. And you guys are exactly like that, correct? I mean, it's just, it really is this cool little hub in this planet that we have that's doing some amazing stuff. Yeah, we think so. Um, it was it was kind of, it was a journey to come up with the Sweet Valley, the Sweet Valley name though. Um, I think back, back in 2020, we started working with Moxie Marketing because we wanted to create a brand to market fruit um, for all of our growers. Um, and so we were doing some consumer insight studies, all of that kind of stuff. And we at first were seriously considering um, a unified brand that represented one variety. So like Halos, cuties, we're all familiar with those. And, and we were thinking about, about that specifically because so many Satsuma mandarins had been planted in, in the region. Um, but, but we kind of 
paused on that. We knew that although a unified brand of a single variety would really serve us in the in the short term, um, we didn't think it was going to serve us in a long in the long term. And 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 we intend to be around for a long time. Um, and so we started throwing around the idea of of forming um, a regional brand um, because we wanted it to represent all growers in the industry, um, even if they weren't growing satsumas. Um, and, and we also wanted to, to be something that could support growers um, who had already created their, their own brands and were marketing um, under their own brands. Um, so at that point, we were, we were trying to figure out what the, what the name was going to be. We went back to some of those consumer insight studies. And the thing that we heard from folks over and over again um, was how sweet our, our fruit was. Um, and so that was, that was kind of the beginning of, of the Sweet Valley name. Um, although there is not a place that is called Sweet Valley, um, the name is meant to represent the quality and the sweetness of the fruit that, that we're able to grow in this area. So, um, you know, we hope one day just how, you know, if you drink a glass of wine and you know it's from Napa Valley, that you'll be able to eat a piece of citrus fruit and know it's from Sweet Valley. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I think it's great. And shout out, you know, you threw out Moxie. We got to give a shout out to Karen and the team at Moxie because those guys knock it out of the park. They're they're a great group to work with. No two ways about it. Well, tell me a little bit. So easy, you know, everybody's into easy peel now. Easy peel this, easy peel that, right? It's all about convenience, about you know. And I really think it's kid driven in a lot of ways, right? So it's, it's something you can throw in the lunchbox, and it, it makes it easy for somebody to, to you know to, to make it a part of their daily activity. So you guys are specializing primarily in satsumas, right? That's that's the big horse right now. And it's all the easy peel, so it's super convenient for people to work with, correct? Yeah, I would say so. You know, the I would say 80 to 90% of what's planted and what's being harvested right now are satsumas. Um, in the future, that percentage will bump up to other types of varieties. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to take a little bit of time. You know, citrus tree, uh, a piece of citrus fruit isn't very good to eat when it's coming off of a two-year-old tree. So, you know, from the time you plant one, you have four, five, six years until the, the piece of fruit gets really good. Correct. Yeah. It takes time for the tree to mature. So tell me a little bit, let's get into what really, what does cold hardy citrus, you know, what does cold hardy mean to citrus really? What, what is it all about? Because I think oh. it'd be, I think people are going to be fascinated about it and how it relates to the geography. Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Toddversations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions, including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. Yeah, one of the, one of the big things I would say that relates to cold-hardy citrus is dormancy inside the tree. You know, we have we have we have a fall and a winter. So 
you know, start it starts to get, get to be September, October. Our temperatures start to cool down. Mm-hmm. Trees start to go dormant, um, and it makes the tree much harder to kill from cold weather. Um, versus South Florida or some tropical climate where the tree just grows all the time, um, we're able to have a dormant tree, and that helps us with the cold weather. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that's all right. Well, that's a big deal. So so geography wise. You know, I mean, it's it's relatively limited, at least at this point. So it's it's North Florida into Georgia into Alabama, correct? Just those three states. That's correct. Yeah. So it is it is kind of like you know, lack of a better word, a little bit of a death valley, a little valley right there. That, that's an LSU thing, right? Did I get it right, Death Valley? Yeah, that's LSU. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean didn't mean to piss off the Georgia and the Gator. Sorry about that. I, I apologize. I won't bring I won't bring up LSU again. The last I think you know we won't we won't talk about LSU football. Though Georgia's national champ, I got to give you props. I, I, I already apologized. I already said it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I got ahead of myself on it. I got it. So tell me a little bit, though. I'm interested in some of the characteristics around the fruit, right, versus like other stuff grown in other regions. Because you make a really, really good point about the tree dormancy, right, where a tree's growing in hot climates, whatever the case may be, that is different. That probably makes for a lot of different characteristics that 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 – probably are, I would imagine from the cold hardy perspective, are probably way to your advantage. So can you talk a little bit about some of those characteristics between the two? Yeah, I would say the on the on the Statsumas, like we mentioned earlier, they're extremely easy peel. Uh, they have a sweet flavor with mild acid that, you know, doesn't really taste like a tangerine. It's probably, you know, it's more appealing to a, a larger group of consumers, especially kids. Um, and, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the first that we believe that was cold hardy. You know, when we first started, we weren't sure that if other types of trees could live in North Florida and South Georgia. Right. There's been Satsuma trees planted in people's yards up here for the last 20 to 30 years. So we knew those would grow. But everybody started experiments with different types of trees. And since that point, pretty much every variety we've planted has turned turned into be cold hardy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, you know, when I, you think about cold hardy and try to put this perspective a little bit and based upon your region. So they could take a pretty, you know, you can get some pretty nasty weather. I mean, you can get kind of cold. You know, you guys can, there's been some crazy weather that's passed through that area. So those trees are hardy enough to withstand pretty much almost anything at that point, I'm imagining. I think, I mean, we we definitely get some some weather that is down into the 20s. I think, you know, two things that also contribute to, to us being able to, to grow fruit, uh, to grow citrus fruit here. Um mm-hmm. People are also when they're choosing their their citrus trees are oftentimes planting on uh, cold hardy rootstock, so like a trifoliate rootstock that grows a little bit more slowly, um, but um, can withstand lower temperatures. That that's more my side of the business from the from the citrus nursery. Sure. Um, but most of the time, folks are planting on rootstocks here that are different than like the rootstocks that are planted on in in South Florida. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, also uh, people use maxi jet irrigation. So when the when the temperature drops, people turn the irrigation on um, and basically are spray continually spraying water onto the the bud union of the tree to, to right. keep. And obviously, you know, uh, water releases heat, um, and so that's a that's another thing that we do here to 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 be able to grow uh, cold hardy fruit. I love it. Well, 
based on, you know, being so much farther north, and I want to get into this because this is a big topic, and I know it's something that, that you all are dealing with, and I think the whole state's dealing with, dealing with in a lot of places on this planet. But, you know, citrus greening is definitely a topic of concern and conversation. So if you wouldn't mind, and I'd throw it out, Matt, you can have whoever wants it. But, you know, first I'd like to know, um, you know, kind of give everybody a little bit of a 411 on what citrus greening is. And really it's, it's drastic effect that it's had, you know, on, on the citrus industry. Yeah. Um, citrus greening is a virus that's a va- pretty much a vascular disease inside the citrus tree that would be like heart disease for human. Um, it's spread by the Asian, Asian citrus psyllid, which is a small bug um, that lays its eggs on <clears throat> new flush. And, you know, one of the advantages that we believe we have is the scientists and the researchers tell us that anything below 24 degrees kills the majority of the psyllid. And most wow. Most years we're going to have temperatures that get pretty close to that threshold. But the other thing that helps us out a lot is the dormancy of the tree. We don't have any new growth for four to five months. And that's what the psyllid lays its eggs on. And the psyllid life cycle is only about two months long. So if we can have, you know, four to five months of dormancy and, you know, for a bug that only lives for two months that can get cold, get killed by by cold weather. Yeah. Like our chances right now with it. Yeah. Um. That's that's really cool. So, what about like your soil? So, I mean, are you seeing any difference because of you know your the, the soil area? You know, similar like we talked about Napa and Tuscany and stuff. How these soils make some such a difference to the plant? Is that yeah. have any effect positively or negatively towards yeah. citrus green? Advantages we have over a lot of places in South Florida is we have more clay-based soils that hold more heat. So. Whenever a cold front comes through, if the sun's been shining and it's been warm, that that heavy soil holds heat a lot better than what a sandy soil would do. So that that would be one of the large advantages that we have for making the trees cold hardy also. And I think just also like our soil is more nutrient uh, dense than what you find in like the sandy soils in Florida. Yeah, well, that would make sense. Sure, you're not leaching everything out super, super quick. Well, what about like like steps to minimize it. Like, you know, and I, I know a lot of the problems that I, I hear from people in Florida, so South Florida per se, is that, you know, there's groves that just, you know, you go to Grove and then you go across the street, you're in another Grove and you go across the street and you're, you know, they're so connected and together and because you all are spread out over three States. Um, is that helping to mitigate or uh, to minimize any of these issues as well, just geographically? I mean, as far as being so far spread out in some ways. Yeah, I, I think definitely um, I've, I've heard a grower from South Florida say like you can you can either live with the virus or you can live with the psyllid, but you can't live with both. And that means, um, you know, the psyllid is what transmits the virus. So we actually people have found psyllids, I know, in Georgia and in Florida, but currently um, you know, there, there haven't been large amounts of infected trees found in this area. Um, so basically, you know, the, the psyllid hasn't been able to transmit that. And so because, you know, we have tree uh, groves that we don't have groves that are right next to each other right now. We have a lot of smaller right. groves that are very spread out um, across our region. I think that is, that's definitely 
um, helping us. Um, the cold hardy or the sweet valley region is actually probably the size of the entire state of Illinois if you laid that state over the top of the region. So it's a it's a very large um, you know, region of, of small growers. I think our growers have also tried to, to learn from, um, you know, our South Florida neighbors, um, with stuff about, you know, what rootstocks are best to plant on, um, you know, because growers in South Florida have found, oh, if I'm planting on this, this rootstock, even if I get greening, I can still have some production in the tree versus if I'm planted on another rootstock, my tree is totally decimated. Um, in addition, planting groves at um, higher densities where, you know, even if you do get greening, you will have, you would have made enough money off that grove to, to have made it, to have made it worth it. Um, right. And so, so I, our, our climate, our region where we're located is helping us, but I think our, our growers are also, you know, trying to, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to learn from folks who have gone ahead of us. Yeah. The yeah, other well, thing I would go ahead. Us, us being a collection of small farmers is yeah. if you have a 20 acre grove, it's a lot easier to ride and check that 20 acre grove for problems than it is if somebody owned 2000 and you, you can be in almost go down every road, you check know, every one, tree. one day a week and, and scout the problems. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm imagining that given the, the severity of the problem that geographically for you guys, it's got to be giving you not only some you know confidence back to your retailers and your customers, but to consumers, but it's also got to be giving confidence back to your growers as you're expanding the Sweet Valley Citrus brand, as you're building this business up. Can you touch a little bit on that? That, you know, because I know, I know Matt, you and I were talking before we kind of got on in, 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 you were talking about, hey, you're, you're looking at doing more, adding more, you know, growing your business and stuff. There's got to be a level of confidence that you're giving to growers and consumers right now that's got to make you feel good. Yeah, I would say for sure. I mean, the, the qualities from our fruit versus grocery store fruit that's grown in different parts of the country, you know, you, you hear time and time again that people from around town that, you know, all, they ask you 12 months out of the year when your fruit's going to be right because they're ready to buy some. And mm -hmm. they were able to buy that type of quality at the grocery store. They probably wouldn't be asking us all the time if it was ready or not. Right. So that does give us, you know, if we can, if you can satisfy some of your customers in a, in the small town that you live in, it's a lot of times easier to satisfy people that live further away from you. For sure. So, yeah, well, your neighbors are going to be your harshest critics, right? I think it's your point twelve, point twelve. Take it. I think it's just really cool. I mean, I think that you know, it's it's such a unique time and such a great opportunity for y'all with what you're doing. I mean, and look, we need it, right? I mean, it, it we need to we need to pump up the citrus industry. We need to keep it rolling. It's such a valuable piece of you know of nutrition, and you know needs to be such in the forefront of of you know American diets. There's no two ways about it. I want to come back to something that, that you guys have touched on a little bit, and that's talking about, I think, the, the reality and what people don't necessarily understand, the size and scale of the American farmer today. You know, people always get this thing that, you know, American, oh, they're bazillion acres, right? That's not the case. Um, you know, American farmers, you know, the, the average dairy farmer is what, 30-something head of cattle for whatever the number is, not very big, right? And, and it is truly American, you know, the, the, truly the family farm. So you're working with close to 150 growers, you said. What do you think the average size, you know, is of the yeah. growers that you guys are working with? Yeah. So the average size of our of our grower is around 30 acres. Wow. Um, and 
It does vary greatly from five, it varies from five acres to the 200 acres though. Um, and you know, that, that is small, especially when you, when you look at other like citrus growers, not in this region who are in the, the hundreds um, and the thousands. And so yeah. we're, we're really excited um, to be, at, you know, as an organization, developing and launching this brand for the small grower, um, because obviously, uh, you know, we, we can amplify those voices and, and, and create something and do something that the, the grower who is growing five acres would, would never be able to. Yeah. I love what, I mean, if you look online, you look at it, you only need to have 30 trees to be a part of the, you know, to be a part of what you all are doing. And that's, you know, I think it's just so neat to see that, that, you know, you're bringing along next generation, perhaps similar to what you've kind of gone through, Matt, you know, becoming, you know, um, what, what's going to happen, how we're going to uplift and how we're going to continue to drive, you know, being, you know, food secure as opposed to food insecure. I guess my, my next question along the lines, I'm gonna throw out to both of you is, you know, why share with me why family farms, you know, matter so much, not only to you all, but why they really need to start mattering more in conversations here in the United States. Yeah, I, th I think that's a really big question. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think, you know, I can share why it matters to me personally, but also why I think sure. it should matter to, to everybody. You know, personally, I, I grew up on a farm and I think it, it taught me about everything I know. It made me the person I am today, um, really taught me the value of hard work. And, uh, you know, family farms, people who work on farms, who grow plants, trees, who raise animals, um, they know about hard work and sacrifice, you know, plants and animals don't take a day off. The cows get out on Sunday, you know, your satsuma mandarins are ready to pick when they're ready to pick, um, yeah. no matter how we had, had plans. And so I think, you know, people who work on farms are some of the, the best um, people I know from the, from the perspective of the citrus nursery, I've really been able to see um, kind of the, the impact on of the family farm from the beginning. Like I, I've seen the granddad that has 10 acres come to us and um, want to plant a citrus grove um, to leave a legacy for his family um, and, and teach his grandkids, you know, what it means to take care of something and what it means um, to grow something. And, and they've sent pictures of, you know, their seven-year-old grandson and nine-year-old granddaughter, you know, in the field on a Saturday planting the, the citrus trees. And I think there's something really, really um, wonderful about that. And more broadly, you know, I think knowing where your food is coming from is getting, um, you know, more important, more and more important to people. But I think, unfortunately, as a nation, we're getting farther and farther away from that. Um, you know, and so with Sweet Valley, you know that your fruit is not coming from this big corporation, right? It's coming from um, a family farm. And um, you as a consumer can trust that that, that family is, is making a decision about how they grow their fruit um, in a way that, you know, they'd be okay with, with their kids eating that fruit. Yeah. Um, and so I really think that, that it builds a lot of trust. And, um, you know, I think there's something really incredible about family farms. I think it's part of the fabric of 
of our nation. And I think, you know, if, if we move away from that completely, I think we'll have lost something really priceless. Yeah, and I think so, the other thing that, you know, about family farms is everybody who's a farmer takes pride in what they grow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if, you, if you're willing to, you know, have a farm and have your own brand name and put your last name on that brand name that you're only going to ship, you know, good things to the consumer. And I don't know very many corporate farmers, but, you know, some of the things you buy in the grocery store, there's, there's not quite the amount of pride that's taking and growing and growing and packing and shipping for some of those brands. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Look, we, this, this business has become very transactional. It's been very plug and play. It's, it's about getting it from point A to point B, not necessarily eating it at the end. And I think that we've lost that to, to your point, uh, Kylie, I, hundred percent agree that, you know, we've kind of in some ways have lost our food way when it comes to recognizing, and I touched on it earlier about being food secure, right. Versus insecure. Where's our food coming from? That's a really big thing that we don't talk enough about. So it's exciting for me to see an industry like yours and what you're building and why you're building it. Um, and the fact that you're so, um, you know, you're including anybody, you know, 30 tree minimum, right. You got a 30 acres average. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That truly is what built this country, um, you know, and what made us, I think, uh, so great is, you know, is, is being able to produce food like that we do. So I'm imagining, and I want to kind of get into this from the grower perspective, though, I'm imagining that the growers have really embraced um, coming together and what you've created. And, and, you know, it's a very uplifting, you know, what you guys are doing is incredibly uplifting, right? It's a big, it's a heavy lift, but I think that the thought about creating a more robust citrus industry you know, for Florida, especially Georgia and, and Alabama as well, um, it's got to be pretty cool, I would imagine. So how are the growers, you know, what, what are they saying about you know, where you're at, this rollout? Can you kind of give some perspective from your members on how they're feeling about what's going on today? Yeah, I would say all of them are excited about it. I mean, you know, as, as the volume grows, the sales are going to also grow too. So, you know, we needed a unified effort to, with, with, with the help on the, of the marketing side. Right. So they're all excited about it, but we're still in the infancy stages in all this. And over the next five to six years, the volume's going to, you know, really take off. And you know, some of the growers who may not see any value in it will see lots of value in it over the next couple of years. Yeah, I love that. Great answer. Great answer. So let's talk a little bit about taking it from the grower perspective. Let's talk about the retailers and the consumers. Right? Um, how are they embracing it? You know. Rumor mill has it that it's damn near fist fighting out there when the citrus rolls out. I mean, that's what I'm hearing, that there's there's, there's a little bit of a fight out there. And it's a little bit of demand out there for the Sweet Valley Satsumas when they get rolled. So can you talk a little bit about how the retail community and, and as well as consumers, if you want to go down that, you know, to that level, but really how the retailers are embracing what you all are doing? Yeah, I'll talk about consumers first, because, you know, when we were launching this or even designing the brand way before the launch, um, we did some consumer, we got some consumer feedback. And I think, you know, again and again, we, we heard how um, sweet the fruit was. People, uh, some of our packers like to describe um, a satsuma as its flavor being zing and then wow of like when you first take a bite it's zing it's that tartness followed then by wow this piece of fruit is really sweet and flavorful um, and I think that's really important because in the mandarin and tangerine market we've all been to the grocery store and you'll get a bag of mandarins and they'll be the best things you've ever eaten and then you'll grab a bag a week later and you're like these have no flavor um, and so I think that has been something that has been really great feedback from consumers like Matt talked about earlier of just like you're getting 
um, a really tasty piece of fruit every time. And, um, you know, last year we sent out a lot of samples to retailers. They told us that they were looking for a um, consistent, high quality uh, piece of fruit. Um, and based on their feedback, that's what they received from us. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's, that's really good. Um, you know, you would ask like, when should people get involved with this? It, it's now we're, we're going to sell out. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're pre-selling now. Um, we will have limited availability. If we don't sell out before the season, we'll sell out um, at the very beginning of the season. But I think another factor, uh, Todd, that we haven't talked about that is really playing into to the, um, I guess, frenzy, as you said, over the fruit is um, just some logistics. It's our, it's our location, right? Yeah. In um, North Florida, South Georgia, um, and South Alabama, and um, you know, if you've ordered anything recently, the price of shipping is is skyrocketing, um, and so people were really excited about a piece of high quality uh, fruit that they can get and not pay for it to be shipped across the country. Yeah, well, that's a big I mean, look. And logistics are you know they aren't getting any easier, right? you know, so you've created an option. And, and quite frankly, you know, you can take a look geographically where you are, you've got the whole Eastern seaboard, you know, you got what a, a big chunk of people that you can get to. But I love the fact that you talked about the, that it's, you know, this, this fast and furious, the season. So the season starts basically in September and it runs until. So uh, really the season is probably like early October to January for all of our different Mandarin varieties. Um, That Suma season is uh, November really to December with a little bit of spillover um, into the beginning of uh, into the beginning of January. It really is. Um, we say limited availability that we have, you know, limited availability on quantity of fruit, but also just, uh, you know, when people are going to be able to get it. No doubt. And and I didn't, I want to make sure that we touched on it though. And I know we talked a little bit about consumer side, but on the retail side of it too, I'm imagining that once these retailers have got a sample of this, they're like, holy crap. Yeah, I'm all in. Are you seeing that now? Are you seeing uh, these retailers like, Hey, Oh, by the way, I want, here's my POs for the next nine, nine weeks. Yeah, people are really excited about that. I think, you know, and I think we will have to do, you know, some consumer um, education or we will. And also, um, you know, retailers will. We didn't touch on this earlier, but one of the things that um, really makes Satsuma mandarins different is, you know, the the taste of the fruit. But also Mm -hmm. um, we pick Satsumas when they're tree ripe. They're actually clipped by hand. Um, and most of the, the mandarins or tangerines you get in the grocery store are actually gassed so that they have that bright orange color. Um, and, uh, it's actually not possible to gas Satsumas. They don't, they don't respond to it. Um, and so, you know, I think you can, you can be assured that you're getting the freshest piece of fruit possible that was picked by hand. Um, you know, but sometimes that means there might be a little bit of green at the top of the fruit, but that doesn't affect the quality or the taste of the fruit at all. Um, but I think, you know, people are really responding to that idea of like high quality, sweet fruit that, um, is, is tree ripe, you know, from, from grove to table almost. Unbelievable. Yeah. People, people need to lighten up a little bit about the appearance of fruits and vegetables. It's a little harsh. 
We're, we're, we're too hard on ourselves when it comes to stuff. A little bit of green, a little thing, this and that. Is it really going to be an issue? No. Right. It's something we need to embrace. And to your point, consumers need to recognize, you know, and I'm all nobody wants nobody wants to ship a leaky box of anything. Right. Nobody. I get all that. But at the same point, there's this responsibility that we all need to take together to uplift these growers through the retail channel to the consumer. And it's such a valuable conversation. We all need to be embracing. Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions, including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. And I think recognizing that most of the time when you're seeing a perfect piece of fruit, something has been done to it to make it look like that. Yeah. It's picked from the tree like that. Well, art, it tastes like shit either way. I mean, that's, there's a lot of that too, right? It's like, oh, that's an absolutely beautiful tomato that literally tastes like nothing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, and, and I think that that's unfortunate because I don't think we do anything to help drive consumption that way. I think flavor is such an important part. And, you know, you go back to my tenure a thousand years ago when the Flintstones were farming, you know, you, you go in and, and, you know, strawberries had a different flavor. Tomatoes had a different flavor. Yeah. Maybe they weren't, maybe they weren't going to get, you know, cross country as well as what you can today, but boy, you sure had a different consumer experience. That's for sure. So I, you know, kudos to what you guys are doing because we need, more folks like you recognizing and um, finding the value, you know, not only in good food that people want to eat, which are satsumas, no doubt, but you've got this geographical location that you've embraced and you're leaning into, you're putting research dollars in, you're looking at it, people are working together, you're embracing the American farmer, you know, at whatever scale, especially, at, you know, I love the 30 tree, you know, 30 trees to get into the deal. It's just fantastic to me. So, I mean, that really does speak volumes about what you all are about and why I believe that you guys are going to be on a very, very positive trajectory with this brand moving forward. And I can see this, you know, I love, I love when brands, you know, when demand exceeds supply, that's a lovely day to be a shipper, right? There's no two ways about it, but I think yours is for such unique reasons and has such potential to be such a powerhouse as everybody steps up, we get stories out like we're telling today, people get to try this fruit, people get online to the website, learn more and become a part of this. It's very exciting. I'm, I, I commend you guys. I think what you're taking is a big undertaking, but boy, you guys are, you're cocked and primed. Yeah, you know, it's a typical SEC, typical SEC football guy. I get it right here. You guys are just barreling through. I get it. I see how it works. I love it. No, really though. Kudos to you guys. It's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. We're, yeah. So we're what's, excited. go ahead. I said, we're excited. So what's next? Give me something. Give me a tip. But what's, what's, what are we looking forward to? So we know, we know people are going to have to step up. If you don't, you know what, if you don't swing at the first pitch, you ain't going to get a second pitch to swing at with these things, right? We know demand's strong. The flavor's there. The geographical location's there. you got, you got strong people behind supporting you. You've got all kinds of infrastructure support that's going to get you to the finish line in a big way. So tell me a little bit more about what's next for you guys coming up for this season and maybe even for next year. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think this season is just really exciting for us because we're, we're launching the brand. So if, if people want to get involved, definitely re- reach out um, ASAP. Uh, you know, we'll, we just launched our website, so you can check us out there, sweetvalleycitrus.com, also on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. So, you know, folks, give us a follow, and uh, we'll, we'll be posting there, keeping people up to date on, on the season and sharing more, um, more information about cold hardy citrus and, and how, people can, how people can use it. And I think, uh, you know, Long-term, what's next is, um, you know, every intention to keep growing this this brand. Um, but I think Matt touched on this earlier. You know, the acreage that we have in production right now is nothing in comparison to the acreage that has been planted. Matt, could you share what you have planted versus what's in production? Yeah, we, we've got about 15,000 trees planted and probably only, you know, 40% of those are in production. And you know, one of the things that's next is our fruit right now will compete with anything that's in the grocery store right now. And we're doing this off of four, five, six-year-old trees. You know, yeah. as these get to be 14, 15 years old, the, the quality is going to get better just because the tree's getting better. But also as growers, we're going to get better at perfecting our craft. So um, we feel confident in the future that, you know, our trajectory is going to continue to go in the right direction. Yeah. So I, I think- love I- it thing is that, you know, our supply will increase, um, you know, hopefully also as our, our brand is growing and our demand increases. And we've talked a lot about the Satsuma Mandarin today. Um, but like I said earlier, one of the big reasons that we decided to uh, develop and launch a regional brand is because we knew that we were going to be growing a lot of different varieties of fruit um, outside of just Satsumas. I think one day Sweet Valley Citrus will just be synonymous for like really, really good uh, mandarins and citrus in general. Um, some other mandarins that will have that have been planted and will be coming into productions are like Tango Tangerines, you know, Shiranui mandarins. We'll have grapefruit, navel oranges, red navels, um, even, even some lemons. And so, um, you know, I think we'll... We'll just continue to grow. That's what's next. Todd, I love it. The Shiranui Mandarin is the same thing as the Sumo. Orange. Sumo. Right. right. And, you know, last year we picked our Shiranui's on like November 15th, which is, you know, five to six weeks ahead of what they're picking them out in California. So all the growers in this area have big expectations for us growing Shiranui's and, you know, beat, beating the Sumo's to market. I love it. Well, you know, you said, you, you, you said something, Matt, I want to come back and touch on. You talked about trees at you know 14 and 15 years, and it goes back to what I said in the very beginning. When you think about this Appalachian with Tuscany and Napa and the Rhone Valley, right? You got hundred-year-old vines producing amazing grape. You all are the same thing. And the second thing I want to say is, is that you know if we were in Vegas right now, not only would I put my money on Alabama roll tide for to win the national championship, but I would also put my money on your long game and where this is going to end up in the next three to five to 10 years. Cause I think you have a powerhouse brand doing the right thing for the right reasons. And that is a very, very powerful combination when it comes to building a brand. And I commend you guys for what you're doing. I'm excited to watch your trajectory. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to, you know, one of you guys, one of you guys are sending me citrus when you start picking, by the way, I haven't told you yet, because you're going to, um, I'm excited to see. 
Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited. I really am. I'm really excited for you guys and what you're doing. I think this is something people need to lean into. And if you're smart, these Mr. or Mrs. Retailer out there, if you're smart, you all better get in line and start buttering these guys up because you're going to want their fruit. And so does everybody else. So, you know, that's my advice to everybody there. I think it's great. I'm really proud of you guys. Thanks so much, Todd. It's a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with me, by the way. I really yeah. do appreciate it. I really do. I think this is super exciting. I think this is going to be a really neat thing for people to see, open up a lot of eyes. And I think, uh, you know, as I said, Mr. and Mr. Retailer, y'all going to have to figure it out and get yourself going. It's been fun to hang out with you guys. I really appreciate it. Come back. I want an update. Let's well, do it again. Our first podcast. So. Yeah, this is our first podcast. But oh. Again. Well, then I'm going to have to send you, I'll have to send you the first podcast gift. I don't have one, but I'll make one up for you. I'll send you something. I was totally lying right there. I have nothing. <laughs> but we'll come up with something. We got to have something. For you. I'm, it's, it's surprising how many people that when they come on here, it's like, that's the first time I've ever done that. So hopefully, hopefully I didn't taint it for you. Hopefully, you know, I didn't ruin it. Much less painful than we thought. Oh, thank God. That makes me feel good. But I do appreciate you guys being here. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Check it out. SweetValleyCitrus.com. Get going. Check this thing out. I'm telling you, if you don't step up, you're going to be looking at that going, damn, I had a chance and I missed it. Right. Don't be like that. Go for it. Let's let's change. Let's change food and farming by embracing some of these amazing opportunities for presenting themselves out there. Appreciate you both being here. I appreciate what you guys are doing. Check them out on social media. They know that's where the cool kids hang out. Check us out on social media because we know that's where the cool kids hang out. And uh, we'll see you in our next episode, our next broadcast. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff they tell me to say when I end these shows. And remember, go inspire somebody today. It's really important. Just a simple hello can make a big difference. And my final words for you, too, one more time, roll tie. Go dogs. Go Gators. God damn, I knew I was going to get outvoted. All right, you all have a good afternoon. Take care of everybody. See you.